0: We're recording this in late summer, and it's that time of the year where I'm seeing so many teenagers for their back-to-school physicals and sports sign-offs and all of that in the office.
1: Yeah, it's an exciting time. New classes, new teachers. Maybe some are making the transition to a different school from middle school to high school.
0: Or some of them from high school to college. And as teens progress through this time, many adolescents and parents start to think about what is next for them? Are they going to go to a four-year university, a community college, a trade school, start working?
1: Mhm. And importantly, what steps do teens and parents need to take for them to achieve their goals for after high school?
0: So, we're going to spend this episode discussing preparing for and applying to college and how to make this process as painless as possible. We'll also touch on how parents can make sure their soon-to-be college freshman is prepared to leave home.
1: So let's start by talking about when should kids start thinking about college?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. I like have this memory seared into my mind of being out to dinner with Tom and seeing this like 3-year-old girl sitting at the table next to us getting quizzed with like flashcards and we were like that girl's going to Harvard. <laughs> that was probably around like, you know, 10 years ago. So she may be starting to actually think about college at this point.
1: Right. Or, or rebelling against the idea, because that's a bit early to be worrying about college.
0: Right. It definitely is. Most people will say that around 10th grade of high school is when you should start talking and engaging with your kids about their post-high school plans. Not pressuring them, but engaging in conversations about where they see themselves in a couple years, what their goals are, and how you can help them achieve these goals. If your child brings it up on their own earlier, great, encourage them and foster their excitement, but try not to put pressure or unrealistic expectations on them.
1: And remember that college isn't for everyone. We recommend against insisting on college if your child is determined not to go. Let them come up with their own plans, even if in the short term it's not the plan you would have chosen for him or her. All of us progress through life at our own pace and according to our own timetable. And there's always time to go back to school.
0: Yeah, I mean, and this always reminds me of my brother because him and I were such different children. I was like always really academic and liked doing extracurriculars and knew I was going to college. And he was a little bit more like took a different path. And my parents did. I don't know if pressure him is the right word or if he felt pressure from like his social circle, but he ended up going to Chico State, which is a state school here in California for like a semester. And it was not for him. It was just like you could tell from the beginning. He was not a college guy at all. He was not interested in showing up for class, would always sleep in late. And so he ended up dropping out and, you know, I wouldn't say wasting money, but some people may look at it that way of a year of college tuition and rent. And in the end, like, his big passion in life was golf. He loved golf. He was amazing at playing golf. And at some point throughout his career and I think there was a few years that he worked at a golf course and doing other things, he decided to go back and get his associate's degree in golf course management, which is like mm. a 2-year program. And then he worked as a got his PGA professional license and worked teaching lessons and running a golf course. And now he has like a fancy job at Callaway, like running the North American sales department. And so that just shows you that like, that not everybody has their own path and not everybody needs to go to college and they can still, you know, find that thing that they're passionate about and get to that place.
1: Yeah, it's really great that he knew what his passion was and was able to follow that and make it such a success story. So I'm glad that you mentioned that alternative pathway to success. So what things may factor into if a teen decides to take time off for a gap year or go to a community college or online universities or an in-person four-year public or private university?
0: So many factors go into this decision. For lots of people, finances are the biggest consideration because college is expensive. The average tuition for the 2021 academic year was $10,740 at public colleges. So that would be like an in-state tuition. $27,560 at public colleges for out-of-state residents, and $38,070 for private colleges. And remember, this is not including the cost of room and board, food, books, or any other expenses you may have. Although many students may qualify for grants, scholarships, financial aid, so that's really important to consider when looking at these options.
1: Other people may not know what they want to study, and so they don't want to commit to a major yet. Going to a community college first can help them figure this out, or they may prefer a hands-on profession, like working as a contractor, electrician, or mechanic, and then they may opt to work to learn their trade.
0: Some people may choose a smaller private university if they're the type of learner that needs a smaller class size or more individualized attention. I went to UC Davis as well for undergrad um, which is where I work now, and it's a large public university. Some of my lectures had over 500 students, so it can kind of feel like you can get lost at times in these class settings. But of course there's opportunities for office hours or working with the teaching assistant for more one-on-one help if you're proactive about it.:
1: These days, many universities have online degree programs, and this may work better for people who have competing priorities at home. Maybe they have a full-time job or children, and they need flexible class time.
0: So now that we've touched on the importance of letting your teen come to this decision on their own and alternative paths that might be ideal for some students, let's say you do have a kid that's motivated to attend a four-year university.
1: So how can we make sure that they set themselves up for success?
0: When deciding whether to accept a potential applicant, most colleges will factor in grades and coursework in high school, extracurriculars, a narrative essay about themselves, their life, interests, successes, known as the personal statement. Some will also require supplemental essays, and then they have letters of recommendation, and for some, standardized test scores.
1: We can briefly touch on each of these in more detail, but I want to make a plug for getting to know your school's guidance counselor early because they can be excellent resources to help guide your teen to prepare for college. But I have to say, I'm curious what you meant by test scores for some, not for all.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, this is definitely one of the biggest changes since I applied to college, which at that time, the SAT or the ACT was required for applying to most four-year universities. I even took like a prep class because I wasn't a naturally gifted test taker. But during the COVID-19 pandemic, many universities moved to making standardized tests optional or not required for an application. So as of March 2022, over 60% of the top 200 schools in the country have announced test-blind, optional, or test-flexible policies.
1: Okay, so blind, optional, flexible. Break th- break this down for me because I am not familiar with this. <laughs> not
0: following, right? <laughs> this is one thing we actually can agree on is that we're both like, huh? So test-optional means you decide whether or not you want to submit a test score with your application Test flexible means you can submit a test score like the ACT or SAT, which is traditional, or maybe you would submit like an AP exam or an IB exam um, instead of those, but you just have to submit one test. And then test blind, which this is actually what the University of California system is doing where we work, um, is that whether or not a student decides to send their test scores, they're not going to be considered as part of the application evaluation. So if you do decide to take one of these tests, most will take it in the spring of their junior year of high school, and then some people will retake it in the fall of their senior year.
1: Okay, so this makes sense because we know that these tests aren't great predictors of how students will do at college, and success in courses in high school is a much better indicator.
0: Absolutely. I think that there are certain scenarios where they may still be important. So like one is that you know, MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, I think had gotten rid of their standardized testing for a while and then realized that like, oh, the math component of that was actually a really important predictor as to whether people were going to do well in their extremely rigorous math and science intensive program. And that some people were, you know, paying exorbitant amounts of money to attend there and they're not being able to stay and succeed in the classes. So there are still some programs where it does make sense for them to have these standardized tests, but definitely not all like you mentioned. So let's talk a little bit about choosing your high school classes.
1: Well, we know that grades during the 10th to 11th year grade year are the most important for your college application. And for students who may be interested in more competitive four-year universities, taking some advanced placement classes can be helpful.
0: Again, you don't want to pressure your teen into enrolling for these classes, but instead you're going to encourage their interest. So are they interested in art? Maybe they could take an AP art history class, Spanish, Let them explore signing up for a local community college language class.
1: While some kids may continue to thrive with multiple AP classes, for others it can lead to anxiety, stress, and burnout. So check in with your child and their guidance counselor to see what's best for them.
0: Your teen may want to identify a teacher they've connected with or whose class they really excelled in to write them a letter of recommendation, even if they may not be applying to college for another year or so. Because by asking near the end of the school year where they actually had that teacher, all of your kids' successes and their relationship is going to be at the forefront of their mind and it's going to shine through in that letter that they write.
1: You mentioned extracurricular activities. It's important to find something that your teen is uniquely interested in and stick to it. So, for example, if your kid's an amazing athlete, maybe they're on the varsity softball team or maybe they volunteer for the local Special Olympics. You know, if they argue with you a lot and they're really good at it, maybe they're on the debate team. You know, whatever they are most excited about, encourage these activities because that excitement will come through in their personal statements. And this is what many colleges are really looking for.
0: Yeah, I asked one of our colleagues for advice about this episode because he has two high school kids. And he said that his piece was just like, like, encourage them to like build their own narrative because no college wants to Mm -hmm. just see that you like. Went to school, right? Or like you just did your classes. (laughs) They like want to find like these unique people who have like passions or, you know, what is your story? You want to build that throughout high school and then make it come through in your application when you are ready for college. So when I was in high school, I sort of knew that I was interested in medicine. And so I, but I also loved kids and thought maybe I wanted to do psychology or teaching, I don't know. But I so I focused everything around kids and I volunteered for a local summer camp for kids with cancer every year and I got really involved in volunteering for them even outside of the summer. I did work for a little bit as like a hospice volunteer and then I worked as the editor in chief for our high school newspaper. Those were my kind of things that I was interested in and and did to build my application. What were yours, Dr. Dean?
1: Well, I was going to submit a video of myself skiing and doing tricks. But <laughs> it turned out that it was a terrible year for snow in the Sierras that winter, and I never got around to it. And it's probably just as well. I'm not sure how how much that would have like hurt me or not. <laughs> and I just didn't do much. I mostly focused on schoolwork, but you know, things were so much different back then. They weren't as competitive, and for example, you couldn't have a GPA over 4. <laughs> and admissions just relied on test scores and grades.
0: Yeah, yeah, so it's different. Um, but you know, that your kid can can do lots of different things to make them shine in this. So don't try not mm-hmm. to put too much pressure on the million different extracurriculars and all of these different things. Let them find the things that they're most passionate about. If you're on summer vacation or even just in your hometown, you know, we live really close to UC Davis, consider taking your teenager to a college campus to start seeing how they feel about a larger school versus a smaller school, eat at the cafeteria, get them excited about all of the possible independence in their future.
1: And for children who are the first in their family to attend college, this can be an even harder process to navigate. There's some great resources that we have linked on our website and programs that can help prepare teens for college. One example is the Leadership Enterprise for Diverse America, L-E-D-A, This is a scholars program which provides leadership training, writing instruction, standardized test preparation, and a year of highly personalized guidance as scholars navigate the application and admissions process.
0: Right. We will provide a link for that on our website. When the summer before senior year rolls around, it's a good time to start looking at the application process. So make a list of all of the colleges that you're interested in. And that exact number is going to be different for each teenager create a folder on your computer or an Excel file with their application, the materials needed. So do they just have a um, personal statement or do they have supplemental essays that you need to work on as well? What's their application fee? Do they need your high school transcript and test scores by a certain day? And put all of those deadlines in that one place. I have to say that like during this summer before senior year, my dad and I took a trip to the East Coast where we go because we have family anyways, but we visited a lot of colleges like Boston University and, you know, we even went to Yale, even though I definitely wasn't going to get in there, Boston College. And we did all of these tours and we ate all of this cafeteria food and it was just such a fun, fun trip, you know, we went with the guides, like all the college students like walk backwards and tell you about all the history of the university and what the students like to do. And it was like a memory that I'm going to have forever, even though I didn't end up going there. So if you can swing something like this, it's helpful. What about you went to UCLA or Berkeley?
1: Berkeley. Yeah, I applied to four or maybe five places. I can't remember which. And my first choice was Brown. I wanted to be on the East Coast, but I didn't I didn't get in. And then I was on the waiting list at Stanford, but you know, it was funny because one of my classmates, another senior in my high school, she was also on the waiting list. She's really nice, Mary. And (laughs) Mary was in the marching band. And then she got in and I didn't. And I think being in the marching band gave her the edge to get in ahead of me. Oh, interesting. That
0: extracurricular. Very interesting.
1: I ended up at UC Berkeley and I had a great time there.
0: I'm sure it was really fun during the time that you went there.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. It was was right post the free speech thing, but there's still a lot of good energy on campus.
0: Yes, for sure. So you also want to make sure that you complete the FAFSA, which stands for Free Application for Federal Student Aid, which opens up October 1st in order to qualify for those grants, scholarships, and loans.
1: If you're planning to apply early decision, you need to be aware that you can only do this at one college, and then you are obligated to go there if accepted, and the financial aid package is adequate. For early decision, many schools will require applications by early November. If the university offers the opportunity to interview, then you should accept it because this is a great way for them to get to know you outside of your on-paper application and for you to learn more about the school.
0: Work with your teenager to set some time aside to go through their checklist every week or so. But, you know, Again, this isn't something that you want to be, like, forcing upon them. They should be kind of excited about it, too. Um, They will need to send their high school transcripts and test scores and upload their personal statements. And while people can apply to universities through early decision, regular decision, or rolling admissions, most of those regular decision programs are going to have a deadline of somewhere in January. The University of California system is actually early. It's in late November. And then they're going to start hearing acceptance or rejection notifications somewhere between March and April. I always remember that feeling of like during that time, like running to the mailbox every day when the postman would come to like see if it was like a little envelope Mm -hmm. or like a big envelope that basically would tell you if you probably got in or if you didn't. (laughs) And how like heartbreaking or exciting those moments were. But I kind of wonder if they're doing mailers or if people are getting them electronically these days.
1: Yeah, I think I've heard a lot of people show me their digital ones, which sometimes come with like animation and special effects.
0: Okay, well, at least there's that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Once your team gets some acceptances, then try to go to visit the universities in person if you haven't already, because it's great to get a feel for the environment, maybe sit in on a class or check out a dorm room.
0: Consider your financial aid options and cost. I have to admit, this was a really big factor for my decision to choose a public state school, knowing that I was probably going to go to graduate school or maybe medical school was in my future and that I had to take out loans for both of them. It just did not seem worthwhile to go into like $200,000 worth of debt for undergraduate for me.
1: Yeah, a real burden.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Once the decision has been made, consider going to the school orientation weekend. This can ease the transition and allow your teen to meet some of their future classmates.
0: And enjoy that last summer before college. Plan a family trip. Spend quality time together, but also start doing some budget planning. How much are they going to need for books, for food? Are you going to get a school meal plan through the cafeteria?
1: And make sure your teen's immunizations are up to date. That would include a tetanus booster, completing the HPV series, and meningitis vaccine. Sorry, I had to sneak that in. (laughs) And these are now required for many colleges and universities.
0: If your child takes medications, you want to find a local pharmacy to transfer them to and set up reminders on your teen's cell phone to make sure they're alerted when they're ready for pickup. If you have not had the relationship and sex talk with your teen yet, although hopefully you have after listening to our talking to teens about relationships and sex episode, it's a great time to revisit this conversation and discuss birth control options, which might be something to consider initiating prior to college.
1: And make sure your teen knows where they can go if they get sick. Um, I mean, all universities have a student health center, but you should also discuss other urgent care options with them or discuss if their primary doctor offers telehealth
0: visits. You might want to pack them a little first aid kit with some basic medications like Tylenol, ibuprofen, allergy medication, hydrocortisone cream, some antibiotic ointment and Band-Aids.
1: And remember, this is a tough transition for both parties. Check in with your teen frequently to see how they're doing socially, academically, and emotionally. And check in with yourself, too.
0: Absolutely. And most importantly, give yourself a big pat on the back. It's an amazing feat to raise a child to get to this phase of life. Whether they decide to go to a four-year college, community college, trade school, or go straight to working, you should be proud of them and yourself for getting here. So that wraps up today's episode on preparing for college. Let's summarize this topic.
1: Every teen is going to have their own path towards their ultimate career. And for many, that involves attending a four-year university.
0: We reviewed the factors that influence a person's decision to attend college and what type they might choose, whether it's a large public institution, a small liberal arts college, online, or in person.
1: We discussed the most important components of the application package, including high school grades and coursework, letters of recommendation, extracurriculars, and a personal statement.
0: And for some, now, standardized test scores. So look into your top choices and see what their policy is.
1: We reviewed how to prepare for sending your college freshman off, including ensuring vaccinations are up to date, medications are available, and you have reviewed important conversations about relationships and mental health. And I do have a, a joke.
0: <laughs> Let's hear it.
1: Why did the sun skip college? Why? It already has a million degrees. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one other thing that you know, I was thinking about was my sister-in-law, Jodi, she was a high school librarian. And yeah. um, she would often help the high school kids with their essays. So that's another resource.
0: Wow. That's a great thing to think about. Yeah. I think that those essays are really important to, to sit down and spend some time on because that is the one way that your, your personality, your interests, all of that can really come through in addition to the interview, like you mentioned. But I wrote about that camp that I talked about and mm-hmm. what a big impact it had made for me. And I think I wrote about losing my mom in high school and, and that influence on kind of my academics and the things I was interested in. So kind of allowing your personal journey to shine through is really important because they get so many applications, as you can imagine.
1: Yeah, I can't remember what I wrote, but I'm pretty certain that I'd be embarrassed if I read it now. That wraps up this episode of Kids Considered.
0: You can find more information on our website, kidsconsidered.ucdavis.edu.
1: Follow us on Twitter at Kids Considered.
0: And Instagram at Kids Considered.
1: If you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you.
0: Please call us. Our number is 916-915-3388.
1: Or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com.
0: Please rate us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts.
1: Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us for our next podcast.
0: Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital.